When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey.
Folks, welcome to an all-new episode of So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your buddy Ryan, and this is your Wednesday episode. You've made it halfway through the week. What do we always say? Completely phone it in from this point on. You've done your three days. Consider it a four-day weekend. How the heck is everybody doing? I'm way too excited right now. <laughs> I just feel I'm just I'm just I'm way too hyper right now. Anywho, this show today, I start with a mashup every day. Uh, I always say I think a song is a perfect way to start any moment in your life, especially this show. But it's a mashup of a lot of different genres. Like you heard Chemical Brothers, Velvet Underground, U2, all in one song. So much goodness in one song. And that is what today's episode is. Because we have my favorite captain on Bravo right now, Captain Glenn Shepard from Below Deck Sailing Yacht, Monday nights, one of my favorite shows. They're only like four episodes in right now, so it is the perfect time if you are not watching to start watching. So we start with him, and I got, Bravo was nice enough to give me 20 minutes, but I'm telling you, I could have done an hour with this guy, and it would have felt like nothing. He has, I mean, I just, he has, you would tell this dude has stories, not even with filming of the show, but just over 20 years of experience on a super yacht, Working the great seas? Are you kidding me? Sign me up. He was so great, dude. Honestly, he was so... He had such a good vibe. I was like... I had to wake up at 7.30 in the morning to interview him, and it was worth it. I would have I would have woken up at woken up at like 6.30, now that I'm thinking about it. Or 5.30. That, that, he's this good. Anywho, that's how we start. And then, directly after that, we literally... We have my best friend. Actually, my best friend, Nick Wagner... Um, it, it's not a conversation about our friendship. Oh my God, I've been begging to have one of those with him for years now. But no, he is actually a writer and a producer on a hit, you know, you guys know the animation uh, cartoon American Dad. It's, you know, he's been working there for 10 years. The Seth MacFarlane show that is insanely popular. He's one of the producers and writers. Been there, like I said, 10 years. But he comes on today. I asked him to come on to explain the Writers Guild strike. The Writers Guild, uh, they voted to strike on Monday night. And as of today, a lot of the writers are picketing. um, And he explains what that is all about. Now, it's just a really crazy situation. I, uh, I always will stand by the creatives and what they're asking for is not insane. Trust me, you're going you're gonna to find out. It turns out these conglomerates and corporations, I, I, I hate to say, I think they might be greedy. I, I don't know. Who knows? So he's going to explain all of that to us right after that. Uh, then we'll probably take a quick commercial break and then we're going to come back and I'm going to do a recap or a little, a little explanation of the Kardashian season three trailer that came out last week. And all of this noise and scandal and all of that stuff, I I uh, have not got to talk about that trailer. And I think it is worth talking about. Even if you hate them, even if you love them, I think there are some moments in there that are fascinating. Remember, you can watch that on video too. You can watch a lot of these, all of these on video over at... Uh, uh, our YouTube, just type in So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. It'll pop right up. We do the Vanderpump recaps over there. We do it all over there. Maditza makes these amazing graphics. Very proud of how far we've come in the last couple of months with that. I mean, truly, now I feel like I'm running for president. Truly insane growth over there, folks. Um, so that's a pretty darn good show, right? That's amazing. So I'm just going to do, uh, I'm just doing a tight five here, and then we're going to kick to our guest because. You, you can't start better than with a captain of a super yacht. My goodness. 
I do, I do want to mention one thing. I just, I was hearing the in chords of the U2 song at the end of a mashup. And I talked about this on the Patreon on Sunday was that <laughs> Ticketmaster, man, after we, after we get the writer's guild, after we get what the writers deserve, we got to fully go after Ticketmaster. I'm done. I've, I've, I've tried to sign up for verified pre-sales for all of these, all of my favorite artists. They just happen to be insanely popular. So it was like Beyonce, Taylor Swift, Bruce Springsteen, all of those I signed up for the verified presale, got shut out of each one of those. And then U2, which I, I have a great affinity for, um, uh, you know, when I was a kid, Octune Baby was one of my favorite albums of theirs. It really blew my mind at, at, a, at a young age. And I was like, I didn't know you could do this with music. And they are doing that album at the Sphere. They're, they're building this new thing called the Sphere in Vegas. And it's really just this insane project where the it's in the shape of a sphere, obviously, but there is no uh, speakers in there. The whole sphere is a speaker. And it's also like a big sphere video screen. And it just seems amazing. Anyways, they're going to kick off the sphere um, in its grand opening. And they're doing like 10 dates of this. And so I I signed up for the verified presale. On top of that, I signed up for the YouTube fan club just so I could get a better chance at being picked for the verified presale. I haven't signed up for a, a fan club since like Richard Marks back in the 80s. My God. Oh, I'll have to tell you that story at another time. I'm not proud. I love Richard Marks, by the way. Wasn't it crazy when he popped up on Real Housewives of Orange County last year? He was Heather DeBros. <laughs> he was Heather DeBros' friend, and he wrote the OC Angel song that they played at the end of that season. I've tried to block that out, but it just came roaring back to me. Wow, that was wild. Anyways, uh, very upset at Ticketmaster. You two, I don't think this is your fault. By the way, if anybody in the band U2 is listening... I just need one ticket. I just, one ticket, two tickets if you're generous, willing to pay top dollar. But then how do you do verified presale? And then the moment they go on sale, they all sell out. And then you go to StubHub and this verified presale, everybody's already has their tickets up on StubHub for two to three times the cost. Like, how does that make sense? Anywho, I'm already, I'm going to get off on a rant here and I don't want to do that because we have such a great show. Anywho, if you do like this show, please leave it five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, Oh, that's the other thing. Guys, I'm aware of the uh, Vanderpump Rules uh, season finale trailer. I'm very aware of it. The two different iterations of that, the leaked one and then the one that Bravo put out an hour later, which kind of forced their hand, I guess, to release it a day early. Um, and it's incredible, infuriating, crying, shaking, throwing up all of the emotions at once. And I will give you a full rundown of my take on that. It's probably going to come on Friday's episode unless I get a wild hair up my butt and do it tomorrow, but I'm going to be in Arizona and it's so uh, it, it might come a day early or I might just put it into the double episodes I do on Friday with the Vanderpump stuff. I've been trying to save all the Vanderpuffs and Vanderpump Vanderpump stuff until the end of the week. And because uh, I want to talk about Howie on Nick Viles podcast. I mean, there's so much going on, you guys. But let's let's escape Scandaval and Vanderpump Rules for just this hour, folks. Let's go to the seas. Let's go to a super yacht and let's go to one of the best captains out there from below deck sailing yacht. Like I said, you can find it every Monday night. Set your DVRs. It's right there. If you have Peacock, you can watch it at any time. But here he is, the man, the myth, the legend, Captain Glenn Shepard. 
today. Oh, Captain, my captain, we have somebody I am so excited to speak to. Listen, when I am not in Vanderpump Rules and Housewives drama, my favorite show on Bravo right now is Below Deck Sailing Yacht on Mondays. This has quickly become my favorite Below Deck franchise. The Adventures of Everybody on the Parsifal 3 is second to none. It is just the show that leaves you with a good, great feeling every Monday night. And we have the person who legitimately steers the whole ship with us today. Uh, he's been in the industry for over 22 years now, and I just, I have minimal time with him, so I want to get right into it. Captain Glenn Shepard, welcome to So Bad It's Good. Hey, Ryan. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, are you shocked? I mean, when you got into the industry 22 years ago, there's no possible way you would have thought one day you were going to be on a highly rated reality show. Yeah, no, I had no clue. No clue. <laughs> when, when, the, when the show star, uh, Below Deck was on, I never saw it. because I'd heard of it. I knew that there was a reality show about super yachting. And it's funny, in the crew mess, we, the crew, we used to talk about that because of all the crazy... <laughs> Things that would happen, you know, we would say, oh, there should be a show about this. Because we, you know, the people that I work, we laugh a lot. We have a good time. You know, it's a, it's a hard job and there's a lot of stress, but we try to keep it light and try to keep it funny. So we're always joking around. We have a good time. And, you know, but um, I never thought that I would be on TV. No. I mean, but it's like the perfect fit. I, for some reason, I can I can completely see why you are the captain. You have a strong, steady hand, or at least that's how it appears on television. Uh, it's just your. It's just that Gary is the wackadoo. Uh, he is your. Uh, he's you're the straight man, and he is the wild man. Um, yeah. Are you on the Parsifal Three right now? Because it looks like you're in a uh, in one of like the kitchen area or something. Actually, no, I'm not on Parsifal. I got off Parsifal about, I think, a month and a half ago. I'm on a break, so um, I'm going back in about four weeks, but I'm on my little boat in Greece. I've got a 42-footer, and when I'm not on Parsifal, I must be crazy, but you'll catch me sailing on my little boat. So you're in Greece right now? Yeah, I'm in a beautiful little town. It's actually ra raining. The weather's been great, but today it's raining. Um, I'm getting some projects done on my boat. But I'm in a beautiful little town called Monemvasia. It's known as the Gibraltar of Greece, a beautiful little walled city on the side of this massive rock sticking off the coast. Really special place. I mean, what I, the obvious question that I'm sure you get asked all the time is, what got you into this to begin with? Is it because you can see all of these beautiful locations and live that dream that a lot of us have? Ab absolutely. Um, I was backpacking around Europe in the 80s. A young guy, I had no money. Uh, you know, I had enough money to you know, go around and stay in youth hostels and uh, ended up in Rome. I met a guy, had a 52-foot motor sailor, was looking for an unpaid deckhand to help him run the boat for the summer. I was like, absolutely, I'm in, you know, and uh, had the best summer of my life. And I've, you know, the rest of my life has pretty much been trying to recreate that summer. I got hooked on boats. I ended up getting my own boat a few years later. And after doing that for a while, I decided to, I had a cousin, I think, who was working super yachts. And I thought, hey, I, you know, I should try it. It wasn't, you know, there was no TV shows about it. It was very, <laughs> a very obscure industry. It was really hard to get any kind of details of how it worked, even if the crew got paid or not. Uh, but I did some digging and figured it out. And, uh, when I cruised around Greece. I had a little, a smaller boat back then. I put my boat away for the, for the winter. I went to Fort Lauderdale in October, 2000 and decided I'd give a, you know, try my hand at working on a super yacht. See if I liked it. I wasn't sure I'd like it. 
And then, uh, you know, I, I never turned back. This is you know, so this super is- yacht though, to a, a sailing yacht. I mean, you've been on the Parsifal three for over 11 years now, right? At uh, 13. Yeah. 13. 13 okay. 13 yeah. years. I mean, sailing yacht to a, a super yacht to a sailing yacht. That's quite an adjustment, but you, do you prefer the sailing yacht? What is the magic about that? Well, we, we call in this industry in the super yacht industry. Oh, they're know, all super yachts. They're all super yachts. Anything ah. over, anything over a hundred feet is a super yacht. And <laughs> and there's some confusion about the word yacht. Some, you know, it's, it's different. <laughs> You know, uh, what is a yacht? You know, a, a boat like this little boat I'm on now could be considered a yacht. It depends who you're speaking to and where, what, you know, country they're from. Um, but super yachts, uh, Parsifal is a super yacht. She's a sailing super yacht. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I, 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 gen- I grew up loving uh, Star Trek and the Enterprise. And it seems a lot like, you know, the Parsifal is your Enterprise. And I love that, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, but, this season, you guys, they're on season four right now. You can check out the first couple of seasons streaming on Peacock. But it is, you go into the season, the sailing yacht is not working. I mean, you immediately come on and Colin has to rejigger the entire system to get the engine going. How does that possibly happen so close to charter guests coming on? Exactly. And and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people online look at that scenario and like oh why didn't you check this yeah. why didn't you check that like it's that easy or that we didn't think of that <laughs> you know for, look, at, for, look at formula one cars they spend two or three hundred million they put, put all this three or four million into the car they get it in a race and it only does 50 out of 70 laps and it fails they're, they're complicated uh, this boat had just crossed the atlantic just crossed from Spain to Sardinia, had that part that failed off the boat, had it cleaned, had it checked, and had it pressure tested. And it failed soon after that. So we did all our due diligence. It wasn't like we were casual about it. It's just sometimes things happen. You know, uh, sometimes things go wrong. You put a brand new part in in your car and that car, the car, you know, whatever that part uh, was built on a Monday morning or a Friday afternoon, and it's a it's a dud, and you have to go and change it again. So it, basically, that's it. Without going into any more detail, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's not like we weren't paying attention. We I've been doing this for twenty years. I've been on that boat for thirteen. That's the first time I've ever had that scenario. And it I was, mean, I thought Gary did. I thought Gary threw because he had he was like <laughs> he was sick off the boat. I was like, he doesn't want this boat to leave. He did this so he can get on the boat and film. In, interesting as 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 um interesting story that no Gary was not sabotaging the boat. And trust me, everybody involved wanted that boat to work. And the you know, um Colin sw- swapped over with another engineer, and the other, you know, they'd just come onto the dock, everything was fine, and the, he wanted to check the engine, make sure it was working. Yeah. Well, Addy did, and that's when we discovered the problem. But uh, it was a it was a pinhole leak in a cooling system that cools the air that goes in the engine. It's cooled by seawater. And that pinhole allowed seawater to go into the engine. But it's kind of nice though, then really it shows how good Colin is and how, why you need a really good engineer there to actually, it shows how the working environment actually works. So it's kind of exciting for the audience. Yeah. It's uh, he's, he's very essential, but what he came that the solution that he came up with, 
was uh, unorthodox and it worked <laughs> and it saved the day. So it's not just about him being an amazing engineer, but being a very clever guy. And when you're up against the wall and looking at losing the whole season, coming up with this amazing idea and actually making it work. So yeah, I'm very proud of Colin. Incredible job that he did. Well, so there's the element of loving actually what you're doing going on the open seas, but then you also have charter guests that you introduce to this scenario. And we see a new one of those, a uh, new bunch of charter guests every episode. Each one brings a different kind of challenge in a way. And that's where you have all of your crew to service them. But does it take some of that magic away of like what you love to do when you're, or is that part of the thing you love as well is servicing people looking to have the time of their life? No, it absolutely is. You know, that's what I do. That's my job, you know, uh, is to whether it's the owner, whether it's his guests or whether it's paying charter guests, because we do this year round. It's not just when the cameras are there. We're doing the exact same thing with Gary, with myself, uh, with some of the other crew that have been on. You know, Paget worked on the boat. I don't know if you remember season yeah. one, but he yeah. worked on the boat prior. Sierra worked on the boat. Byron, you know, this is this is what we do when there are no cameras. It's pretty much the same thing. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's what we want to do. We want the tools to be able to give the guests an amazing holiday, you know, an amazing experience. And most of the time it works. You know, that the first couple episodes this season, we weren't. I mean, they had the toilet before. paper, no toilet. They complained about the toilet paper, which was very interesting. Uh, they still gave you guys a good tip, but then you guys hit it out of the park with the most recent guests. Do you watch back yeah. the show? Yeah, I do. I do. I watch every episode as they come out. Are you horrified sometimes? Are you horrified to see when you go to bed what happens on this book? I mean, have you had to have stern talkings to Gary and how many stern talkings have you had to give him? Well, the, you know, <laughs> this is not my first rodeo, so I can figure out what's going on, what's going on with her. And I was a young deck, you know, I was a young deck, not that young, but I was a deck person back then. You know, I was a mate and, you know, there's, it's, um, <laughs> the super yacht industry, the super yacht industry, and maybe even more so on sailboats, it's definitely work hard, play hard. You know yeah. these guys. So when they're when they're doing their thing, that you know they they pull out all the stops and and they have they have some fun. And I'm amazed that they get right back into it the next day and can work I, again. After I that. can't believe I can't it. I yeah. can't do that. I'm not much of a drinker. I'm not much of a partier. Uh, but. As far as stern conversation with Gary, you know, if things get out of hand, if it were to affect the charter guest experience, then I would have some very stern words. But you have to keep in mind, like when you you do you do your show and then you probably go home to a house or something and whoever's, you know, working with you, maybe above you. They don't have any say what you do on your own time, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, or they shouldn't. And yeah. it's just, the same has to apply to a degree on a boat because otherwise, otherwise they're like in prison and, you know, you're not going to get yeah, yeah. to work like that. So it's a fine line that I, I, I walk to keep them in line, but give them enough freedom when they're on their own time. You know, don't embarrass the boat. Don't embarrass yourself. But if you want to blow off a little steam, I don't want to hear it. You know, I, I got my I, headphones on. That's what I'm saying. That's okay. So I know these are kind of geek questions, but I think everybody wants to know these. You recently were on Watch What Happens Live with Gary, and it was one of the best Watch What Happens Live, you guys. You guys need to check it out if you haven't. But this was the thing. I mean, you you have to share a cabin. I think this year you're sharing it with Alex, right? Uh, is, that, right. is that correct? And That's in right. the like first or second episode, he's so drunk, he tries to pass you a water, like a water cup. He's on the top bunk, you're on the bottom, and you kind of wake up and you're like, what are you doing? Why are you not in your own bunk you're the captain of good, the ship. 
That's a good question. And, you know, if you see all the other shows on television, you'll see that, uh, you know, all the time the captain's got his own cabin. Yes. on, On Parsifal, the company that built Parsifal, and a lot of them are like this, they kind of tell the bo- the owner of the boat that, oh, you don't need that many crew to run the boat. So they don't really build enough cabins for the size of the boat, okay? It's yeah. not about the crew. It's about the owner and his pleasure. But in reality, you need those people. So on that boat, I there was a captain's cabin at the beginning, but it was the boat would only run with a crew, and a crew is not enough to run the boat. You know, we have very strict regulations about hours of rest. People have to take time off. We have to give them time off by law, and we struggle. So having that having that ninth person there is way more important than me having my own cabin. So my choices are leave Parsifal, go find another boat, or just live with a roommate for part of the year. When when we're in between seasons, I uh, we we usually drop a stewardess. Maybe the chef goes take some time off. So I kick that person out of the bunk. So it's only in season that I'm there with uh, sharing with someone. And to be honest, we're so busy in season that normally it, it's not a problem. You go in there, sleep, you get up, and go do it again. And so uh, sharing is not a big deal. Um, yeah. it, you know, if I had the choice for sure, but I love Parsifal. I love that boat. I love, you know, I love working with the people I get to work with. So having my own cabin is the least of my worries. You know, I, I got I, a lot of other things to worry about. Obviously I, people like Alex putting their, putting their drinking mug on my head while I'm sleeping isn't ideal. But it's not the worst thing that's happened to me in, in this industry. I promise you. But it's different. It's when I'm if I'm drunk with my friends, I expect that. But if you're the captain of a ship, we can't have yeah. that happen to you, man. Um, you do I keep know. cool. I, I, I'll say Alex was being stupid, but he wasn't being disrespectful because he was, you know, he was drunk and he didn't know what he was doing. So uh, I cut him a little. I cut him a little slack. You know, a season or two before, I had a guy throw up all over my bathroom. Well, that was way worse. Oh my know. god! Well, I mean, we have people. Fall, I mean, we had one of the the stewardesses like fall out of her bunk, like scraped oh up her back god. a couple of episodes ago. I mean, oh. these people—it's such small space, and when you introduce alcohol into that, they like legitimately fall every time. And I hate to say it, it's very entertaining to watch. If you guys don't watch Below Deck Sailing Yacht yet, it is truly a great magical show. It's- uh, you keep sorry. You keep cool under pressure all the time, even when you were dragging the anchor last season. Even when you were doing this, is that something that you've learned over the years in this industry to keep cool under pressure? Or growing up, you've always been like that. No, I, you know, I think I've to a degree I've been like that. But I think in this industry, you when something happens, you've got to stop, think about it, and start quickly thinking about a solution. So. You need to stay calm because if you're not calm, then, you know what I mean? You're, you're not thinking correctly. And th- I don't know. That's just my style. I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff in my life. I've definitely seen a lot of stuff on my own boat. I've seen a lot of stuff on, on super yachts. You take it a stride. You see what your situation is. And then you start figuring out how you're going to get your, how you're going to get your way out of there. You know, and yeah, that's I- just my style, I guess. I want a full hour with you sometime because you must have stories that would turn my hair white. My beard's already white, but like you must have adventures like Indiana Jones where like over the last 20 plus years, I'm sure you have seen things that would like oh legitimately God. make a slack jawed. Um, oh yeah, lots of crazy stuff. In terms of your crew this season, you say, you know, this is a working boat the whole year round. Were you happy overall with the crew? We're only four episodes in, you guys, so we've got a lot of below-deck sailing yet yacht to go. Were you happy with the team that was uh, put together for this season? Uh, would you like to stay with this team, potentially? 
I think they're I think they're a great team. I think obviously the core of the team is the department heads. So having that what I call the dream team, uh, Gary, Daisy, Colin, that makes my life so much easier because I know what those guys are capable of. I know they're good at their job. I know I don't have to micromanage them, and that's a that's a big plus. I know they'll take care of the entry level people that come in as long as we have a good chef and people that come in with the right attitude, then I know I'm going to have a great season. Oh, I met Chef Marcos recently at a, at a show and he has two restaurants in Los Angeles now that he's a part of. He was amazing, but Chef Aisha seems amazing as well. Chef Aisha is quite, uh, she's very, very good. Um, Marcos is a legend. I love Marcos. I'd love to work with him again, but I've worked with some amazing chefs through my career, but I uh, bet. Mar- Marcos is definitely one of the, one of the best. Uh, is it funny to watch uh, Gary uh, get kind of a little jealous of Chase in terms of, uh, you know, Gary, re- Chase is really trying to step up, it seems. And Gary is like, no, it is funny to watch Gary try to, you know, school somebody because he has more experience in this industry. But it is interesting to see that side of Gary of coming up and trying to teach somebody the proper way to do things or to do it the Gary way. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, my department heads are God in their department. If they step out of line, I'll take them aside. Definitely not in front of the people that they're, you know, that are working with them. But uh, yeah, I think Gary found himself, you know, stuck behind the eight ball because Chase and Alex were on the boat before he was. So he never got his opportunity to say, okay, guys, and set the tone for the deck. And so these guys are trying to figure it out on their own, which I, I have to commend them because they did a great job it was not easy not having gary there that's a a big crew member to be missing but um i i would say chase is i love chase he's a great guy but he probably would do himself a favor step back and just follow gary's lead you know yeah and and don't say anything don't do anything keep it for later you know what i mean maybe approach him later but just keep any crew member that i uh, or anybody i know trying to get into this industry get in keep your head down do what you're told. When you finish a job, go to your superior and say, what can I do next? If you have a question, you don't know how to do it, go and ask for help. But otherwise, keep your head down. Don't be talking back. That's not the way to do it. Whether I'm, not, like, I'm not Captain Glenn. In the right or in the wrong, you know? I'm not talking back, man. You, This is you. I, I, I give it up to Captain Glenn. Uh, I only have a couple more minutes here. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that you are uh, every girl that will uh, talk about Bravo usually talks about Captain Glenn. And uh, uh, are you single right now or not? I believe you have announced a relationship in the past. Are we still, you don't have to answer this, but a lot of girls, when I told them that you were coming on, really have a big crush on Captain Glenn. What can you tell us? <laughs> I find that very amusing. It's uh, my true. girlfriend's standing right here. She's ah, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to ask no, that. Okay. I didn't mean to... It's okay. Not a problem. No, we've been together for, I think, coming up to five years. Uh, we love travel. You know, we spend a lot of time now more so because I have more free time that I'm only working like half the year now. So yeah, we're here on my boat cruising around Greece. Yeah. You went Instagram official in the last, I mean, that was a, a really big deal. You did an Instagram post and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had our own reasons for keeping that on the course, QT yeah. and things changed. So we thought, okay, now's the opportune time. We were on a trip, uh, to Mexico city. And uh, that's when we, you know, we made a little joke about it. 
But, yeah. I loved it. No. Um, and then uh, I, I guess winding down, uh, can you tease anything for the rest of the season? Is it going to be a continually wild season? You started off with a bang, uh, but like I said, we're only four episodes in. Does the season get crazier and present us with insane challenges that you have to guys to have to go through? Well, all the all the challenges are not done. I'll say that there's still more challenges to come. Still some crazy stuff coming. Uh, there's some crazy romance stuff going on still. I think you can, I think <laughs> I, you can see. Yeah. From the there's there's episodes, a love triangle. We've got Gary and Daisy. And quadrangles and, you know, Dude. it's definitely, there's going to be some messy stuff there hundred percent, but yeah, we still have some challenges uh, uh, that are, you know, not related to romance. Um, but, uh, I think we've got an amazing crew again this season and um, which I'm very happy for. And I think, uh, people are really going to enjoy it. There's a lot of cool stuff coming. Are you allowed to say if you're going to be at BravoCon in Vegas this year? I hope to be, I mean, I was there last year in yeah. uh, New York and I loved it. So it was so fun. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to be, it was so cool. I, you know, we're mostly behind the scenes doing meet and greets and stuff like that and, and photo ops and stuff. But I got to go out on the floor a couple of times and I got I kind of got mobbed by oh. Bravo uh, Bravo fans. And it was such a cool experience. It was like a rock star experience. I felt like Mick Jagger at the airport. You know what I mean? <laughs> you Everyone's, were. Coming Everyone's coming up and say, Captain Glenn, can I get a selfie? And I, you know, <laughs> security was trying to tell me, you know, you got to go in the back. And I was like, no, just one more selfie. You know, I love um, it. It was very, very cool. The, the fans uh, are amazing. I was at the hotel. You guys were all out and I got to drink afterwards at the, one of the bars down there. And I got to see firsthand Gary work his magic on a group of ladies. And this guy is like a oh, yeah. beetle himself. When he, I literally, I was watching from across the bar. I was like, I think I might kiss Gary. He is so charming. He was so, I was like, I see it exactly. The charm exudes from this guy. And anyways, you are such a good person. You call co it comes off on screen and I legitimately look forward every Monday night to below deck sailing yacht. If you, guys have not watched this now is the time to get in you can scream stream the first four episodes on peacock i'm telling you and it's also the perfect show to get your boyfriend or husband into bravo yeah. it's that perfect show that will like get you into reality but then it's a boat so guys like really dig it um captain glenn shepherd how do we support you even though i know you've got your own gig on of course follow you on instagram watch the show are you writing a book anytime soon uh, I'm in talks about it. Okay, and good. I think that's something that could happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Instagram or Facebook, uh, I try to interact as much as possible when I have time, but yeah, Captain Glenn Shepard on both of those. Well, it has been an honor to talk to you and I hope I get to talk to you again one day, but what a great show and you have such a, an amazing job and you do great at it. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you very much, Ryan. And, you know, maybe one day we can have you on board as a guest. Oh, okay. So I'm on my way. Wait, where are you in Greece? I'm on my way right now. Let's do this. You heard it here first, folks. We're doing this. Um, thanks, Captain Glenn. Thank, thank you very much. Wasn't he a good guy? Man. Oh, I loved him so much. I could have. Oh, I hope I get to talk to him again. I really liked it. I, I would love to talk to anybody on Below Deck Sailing Yacht. It's just one of those shows that is just purely enjoyable. It, it was, it's necessary, especially in the heights of Scandal, which, by the way, I just found out I had uh, reposted the leaked version of the season finale trailer, and I just got an IP violation, an intellectual property. So I'm guessing Bravo removed that, even though I see it's up on a cu couple of other accounts. So now I've gotten dinged on my Instagram account again, so hopefully I won't lose the account. Uh, I My backup account is... Uh, 
what is my backup account? Just in case I get taken down at some point this week, I have a feeling a couple of people are complaining. Um, I have a backup account. I got to find it. Anyways, doesn't matter. Uh, what does matter is the Writers Guild strike. What a smooth segue that is. Um, listen, I, I finished today uh, Better Call Saul. Uh, I started watching that over the pandemic and I watched the first five seasons on Netflix and then there was so much to watch that I decided not to buy the sixth season on Amazon Prime. I decided to wait uh, until it finally hit Netflix because I was like, oh my God, I've got so many other things to watch. So it had been a year and it finally hit Netflix. And uh, so the last week I've been burning through those 13 episodes. Vince Gilligan created it and it is just... Um, it's just amazing. The tone of the show, I mean, it's right there in the Breaking Bad universe, which Vince Gilligan did as well, but it takes a character, uh, Saul Goodman, that you met in Breaking Bad, and you kind of thought, well, you kind of have Saul Goodman peg. You you know, he's kind of a shy, you know, he's kind of like this guy, uh, lawyer, sleazy, shady, taking uh, a lot of drug dealers' money and laundering it. Just a really kind of seedy guy, but very funny, played really amazingly by Bob Odenkirk. But you think, okay, that's not a one-note character, but it's it's what it is. And then Vince Gilligan takes that character, builds a whole other series around it called Better Call Saul, and you find out exactly who this guy is, Saul Goodman. That's actually his fake name in it, but it, it's just incredible. And it's just so well-written, so beautifully acted. But like I said, the writing is what stands out to me. It is just so, so good. The humanity that comes out in these scripts and that, oh, those final couple episodes, they're going to stay with me. And that's what good writing does. That is art. And we need to protect things like that. Because like I say every week, the world is tough. We need other universes to escape to. We need imagination. We need to encourage all of this. This kind of stuff inspires you. This kind of stuff makes you feel something. Um, You know, art can really save, period. And it doesn't even have to be that deep. Art can make you laugh. It can can make, it can just, it just adds everything to life and to my life specifically. So uh, the Writers Guild, uh, they, like I said, they striked on uh, Monday night. And the last time the writers striked, I believe in like 2009, it was for 10 months. But all of these shows now are going to be going dark. You might not notice it at first. You're going to notice it in late night because all of the major four late night hosts have uh, decided to strike. You're also going to notice this week, we talk about it in this interview, but we did it like 10 hours ago. And right after we finished this interview, we talked about this, but Saturday Night Live made the announcement that they're not going to air this week. Pete Davidson was going to host. It was going to be the season finale. And now that is scrapped. So we might be done with SNL for the season. But they're just asking for some basic things to actually make a living wage to not have these so much be like gig jobs where you're just scrambling from one job to the other. I mean, actors are a lot of the same way. Like they kind of destroyed the middle class. You used to be able to eke out a living as an actor and that you can't really do anymore. Now you're forced to go to podcasting. <laughs> no, but uh, they're fighting for for what is uh, fair and, and right for them. And I think there's a misconception with a lot of people um, that everybody in Hollywood that has any sort of job is a millionaire. And that is sadly, sadly not the case. And especially for the amount of money that these corporations are making off of these products. 
Uh, if they weren't making money, it would be a different story, but they are. The other thing that we touch on in this is uh, what's ahead in the future. We've talked a little bit about artificial intelligence on this show, chat GPT, uh, all of these different things that are arising with powerful, powerful computers and what they can do. And it's jaw-dropping, but I also still think it's very, very soulless. And the uh, the people that the writers are arguing against, I mean... They're not wanting to have firm laws in place that prohibit artificial intelligence being used to write these shows. And I think that is just such a no-brainer. But these people look at the bottom line, looking at making money for their shareholders instead of making money for the people that actually create these things. Uh, Remember, you know, TV was created to begin with to sell soap. It was there to sell commercial time. And it's never really changed. They've just found new and unique ways to sell your products. I mean, a perfect example of if you watch a Bravo show now, you'll, you've noticed a lot over the last seven years, they'll do these kind of some somewhat awful commercials where they'll break up like a, a Real Housewives show and then all of a sudden Shannon Bedore and Tamara Judge are enacting a scene with the Terminator, you know, because there's a new Terminator movie coming out. It's very bizarre. Uh, it makes me laugh, but it's bizarre. These are all ways to sell products. I mean, listen, even this podcast today, you're going to hear a commercial. I ask that you check out that company, ShipStation, which, by the way, Shannon Bedore supports as well. But yeah, we are selling things and we want people to go check out the things that are advertised. But the problem is, if everybody is making larger and larger amounts of money and they're not fairly paying the people that actually create these things, it creates a you know, a very huge problem. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, you know, I, I, if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard Nick, uh, Nick's name probably mentioned a bunch where I've talked about the guy and I've never really even said his name. Uh, but a lot of these stories that I've loved in my life kind of revolve around this dude. And, uh, I was so happy that he could come on to explain a little bit about what the writers are striking for. So without further ado, (laughs) here he is, Nick Wegner. Uh, Welcome back to So Bad It's Good. Now, our our next guest, listen, if you listen to this show, you know our next guest because I talk about him incessantly because he is one of my best friends. Yeah, I know. But, you know, he also has a job. Uh, He is a a writer and an executive producer on the hit show American Dad uh, that is now he's been working there for 10 years. But the Writers Guild of America has gone into a strike. Uh, They authorized a strike uh, Monday night. And I need to find out what this is all about. This show not only covers reality shows, but all shows. Um, And this is a very important moment for writers and being able to be paid fairly in today's entertainment landscape. So without further ado, uh, Nick Wegner from the show American Dad, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I really wish I'd thought this through more. I look like I'm in like a storage unit. And uh, <laughs> by the way, like, how do you get so, that back? Do you have I, so obviously, uh, you desperately need uh, to get better wages. Obviously, it looks like <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is my entire house. <laughs> Me and my baby uh, sleeping here. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me, Ryan. I wish, you know, I'm a big fan of the podcast. I wish it wasn't under these circumstances. These circumstances no. being that I'm a strike captain. They gave me this shirt 
and they asked me what size, but it fits like a like a 1995 XL. So it looks like I just got like dropped off at camp and got the free shirt. Uh, I'm really kicking myself out. Well, by the way, the majority of the people will actually listen to this in the podcast format. So don't worry about that. But listen, we're ah. joking around right now, but this is very serious. This is in the terms All of- All right, yeah, well, this is serious. Wait, just to explain to the, the audience, the Writers Guild, uh, I think the last time they strike was in 2007, I believe, and it lasted yeah. for almost 10 months that writers did not have a job due to the, uh, I mean, who who are you guys up against? Who is approving your uh, contracts? So we, the Writers Guild has a contract with the uh, companies, the production companies, which, you know, back in the day was like, you know, NBC and um, Universal and, and uh, Paramount and <clears throat> still is a lot of those. But it's now there's big six companies, I think. So it's like Comcast is going to be at the table and uh, Universal and now Amazon and Apple and people like that are also in the mix. Um, and so every three years, our contract is up. And basically, we're having like kind of like a crisis in writing right now. And it's probably something that a lot of people can relate to across the United States because it's these corporations that are trying to increase profits and give money for their boards and their shareholders, et cetera. So they're trying to like the main thrust of the strike is they're trying to change writing where it used to be a writer's room with 10 to 15 to 20 people working all year, punching jokes, coming up with stories, et cetera. Now they're pushing for a show to have because it's streaming 12 episodes. And they're going to hire five, six people to write it in 10 weeks. They hire them for 10 weeks. And they're like, come up with a bunch of ideas. And then three people stay and they write all the episodes. Uh, <laughs> and then they turn them over. And then they're like, we'll go shoot them. There's no writing going on there. Uh, and that's that. And so these people that are writing in these rooms, they, they, don't, they only work for 10 weeks. And then that weekly average over the year gets so low. If they don't get a second or a third show that they write in a year, then they're not qualifying for insurance. So we have no middle class now of writers and uh, people can't afford to live in Los Angeles. So they're having to move, you know, further out and, and really hustle. And these people are on shows that then are on streaming and are huge hits. These writers that are huge hits aren't qualifying for insurance, you know, and they're trying to keep these people at staff writer level for like 10 years. Now people stay at staff writer. So we asked for a bunch of things like, Hey, you can only be a staff writer for so long. And then you have to get promoted. And, if a season, if a show has 22 episodes, you need to have at least eight writers or 10 writers. And they, the companies just didn't counter. They gave us no <laughs> counter. They just said, no, uh, you know, I mean, so like, th th this most recent art, they, they, cause I read some of the proposals and what they countered with, but you're saying that they just really, I mean, in certain those I'll, I'll post these, I posted on my Instagram folks, yeah. but I'll post it again. So they just said, sorry, we're not going to even uh entertain what you're right you're they're like the industry has changed it's a gig economy now so we're gonna <laughs> gig have economy? Like, yeah like the, you know like <laughs> like one of the big things and this is like a little bit different than that but like we put like that they need to say that like they can't use our shows to train ai to take our jobs and they countered with uh no counter but we will offer annual Classes. meetings about technology they're like, you can meet with us once a year and we could talk about new technology, you know. 
talk about, hey, would you guys like the new Apple Watch? What do you guys think about that, right? Or like, <laughs> by the way, I was reading exactly. the, the two-page proposal yeah. and the AI thing was the immediate thing that stuck stuck out because it was yeah. near the end of the second page. And what you said, you know, is like, yeah, they offered for like meetings. And I'm like, you know, by that time, AI is already so powerful and it's also so soulless. You'll kind of see that already, but they're going to use, they could literally feed American dad scripts, your writing, you know, your personal writing in there. They've done it with my, like Sean did it to my podcast just to show me how, how it works. And it's really, really frightening, but I just, this is like, I don't think it'll ever be as good as a human. And they're like, no, the foot, but it's like disheartening. Like our show is a Disney um, product. And when I started as a PA, I delivered to the Disney lot when I was a PA on criminal minds 17 years ago. And, uh, I would have to deliver to the old animation building. And I look at the old cells they had up and pictures of the old, an- uh, you know, Imagineers and the way they like market their company. You know, we, we, ha- we create dreams and it's from people's minds and they're like, yeah. Hey, no, yeah, we're, we're I think we're going to check this computer thing out. You know, and you're like, you know, like we used to live with next to these people in town and the heads of the studios and everyone and, you know, the gaffers and stuff everywhere, you know, in the Valley. And now the people that own these companies live in Silicon Valley and they live in, you know, other places. And it's about, you know, just as big a profit as possible, cutting expenses on the employee side. So, yeah. But when you're showing such insane profits, the fact that they won't share that with the creatives, I mean, you're right. They're cutting out middle-class entirely, making that a thing of the past. You have benefited not only from, of course, your talent, but you, like you said, you started off as a PA. When you landed at American Dad, you were a staff writer. And over yeah. these 10 years, you have worked your way up. Um, and you're saying that with these contracts, People like you, there's not going to be able to be people like you that start from the PA level anymore. Yeah, I mean, we want to keep everyone staff writer, the lowest position and the minimums. And, you know, the people that make the minimum now in the WGA has gone from like 25 percent to 50 percent, like over half the people now make what is the minimal allow, you know, allowable. Um, So a big push of this is to raise those minimums to try to help that. And, um, you know, they they offered, I think like 30 cents on the dollar on that or something like that. And just to be clear, everything the writers are asking for would cost them one to 2% of their profits from last year. It's like, like not like working, whatever. It's just the profits, you know, one to 2% other profits would give us everything we're asking for. And we know we're not going to get everything we're asking for. It just isn't going to happen, but one to 2% of profits. And, and, like the, the guild isn't even like going on the record really saying that. Cause they're like, they could say yes to us and they would still find those profits somewhere else. Like they wouldn't even like, it's just about policy of like, you know, trying to make the most. Um, now you guys voted with an overwhelming majority. I think it was like a 99.2 authorization uh, rate. Yeah, to- it was like a big turnout too. Not just percentage. It was like 7,000 writers and 99.2%. And a lot of that has to do with like younger writers that are really feeling this push and they're the most vocal and they're like, you know, out there. I mean, like, like I make, you know, a good living and I've been there for a long time. I mean, not to do my story, but I do know that when I started, the person that had my job uh, made uh, 50% more than I make now, you know, at that time, like I make way less than, you know, and our show is watched by just as many people or more, but it's because now I work on cable and streaming. And back then it was on Fox, but it, uh, it, yeah. 
Is it disheartening though? I mean, listen, we, we both grew up as fans of writers and television and movies and all of this stuff, but is it disheartening picking a profession in which, uh, you know, the outside world or flyover states think, oh my God, you must be a rich multimillionaire celebrity yeah. writing on this big show. And the reality of that situation is not the case. You get to be creative, but sometimes you and your team are not compensated fairly. Yeah, it's definitely hard because, you know, like there are people that, you know, do great. And it's, you know, just like what's happened in America that, you know, it's the one percent, the five percent, et cetera. So, you know, we it, yeah, it's hard to go out there and be like the writers. Funny. Money. They're like, what? I, you know, Steven Spielberg looks like he's doing OK. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer, and I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, I mean, listen to on a personal level though, uh, you know, I know, I know you're okay, but does this scare you? I mean, you do have a family, you have a <laughs> child on the way and a, no, I'm not joking. Nick. I'm I know, not joking. I'm, not I'm joking. Saying, like, I'm laughing to not go crazy. I wrote an unhinged email to Bob Iger, like 45 minutes ago to his general Disney. Has where I was he like, responded yet? Has Bob responded? Yet? Not, but I was like, it's the head no, of Disney, like, you guys. The, the- yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, yo, you know, like, I'm an executive producer at a show. 
and I've, you know, written the most episodes in the history of the show. And uh, I have to pay like a large mortgage to stay in Los Angeles. And if this lasts a couple of months, I might have to think about, you know, like selling my house. And I, I'm lucky to live where I am, but I know that the people who work here before me have nice big homes and they were out less than me and my pool broke. And I mean, <laughs> I, I had to empty it with a buckets because I can't afford to get somebody to empty it like for whatever. Yeah, you can move into my parents' place. Years. You can move into my parents' place with me, dude. Like, I mean, that I'm sure my mom loves you. So that oh way, you, you, I don't know about yeah. your family. Um, no, but no, that'd be it, great. But I mean, yeah, my mom would love me to come home. But obviously, I, I'm really eyeing but, your mom's house. That's guys, real, real, real quick though, just a real. Uh, uh, we know each other's parents and Nick's mom to this day. You know, or up until a couple years ago, even though Nick was wildly successful in terms of his career, would be like, well, when you're done with this writing thing, you know, you have a place back home. Oh, she's still that way. She's still that way. She was like, oh my god, I, I forget. Yeah, I mean, oh, like, okay. I, bringing up this pool but like i said yeah. something my, I, I, my mom was like you're not doing okay you're not well you can't get your pool fixed and, you know, <laughs> um what does it mean though just for people that don't know uh what it's like to be a part of a union and what it means to strike what is you know you guys are banded together you you told me before that you really believe in your negotiators you have a very strong team of people yeah. arguing for you guys but what what is your responsibility now as a writer and what are all writers responsibilities and then how do we play a part because we consume this and we need this we don't want an interruption in production schedule because we want to consume right. what you guys are writing well for us it's you know we're gonna we're, we're here to prove what an you know integral part of this process the the person that writes it is you know that there's nothing else without it and also for us we're supposed to walk away you know and like there, there are you know some people that are producer writers where they have like producing but anything that changes story, we're not supposed to touch. And our point is that the story is changing all over the process, that you need a writer in the edit bay, that you need somebody there. On our show, I get to do that. I get to sit in the edit bay for my episodes. But now they're trying to make it so that the writers aren't there and it's just a producer figuring this out. Um, there was a great Twitter thread I saw about when the last strike happened. One of the biggest instances of this was the second Daniel Craig Bond movie. They got like one draft in right before it filmed. And then they're like, okay, we can't send a writer to set. And then like the only people that could write, it changed things were the director and Daniel Craig. And Daniel Craig's like, I'm not a writer. And then everyone was like, oh, this is starting to make sense. Like by the time they finished filming, the strike ended and they brought the writer in. They're like, can you fix this? And he's like, what did you do? Like who came yeah. up with this? You know, the and, whole uh, film is just Daniel Craig running. Just like, I can't yeah, even speak yeah, lines because yeah, yeah. they just have me running. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, why, why does he have so the accent this scene? You know? Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you're doing a lot of wig work in this well, one. You know, you I mean, I have a couple questions just in terms of, uh, I, I actually want to get back to what you have to physically do now in terms of strike, but really quickly, because I know we're fans of late night shows and even Saturday night live. Sundown this time, Ryan. That's, late night shows yeah. Because dark. last time yeah. Jay Leno kept going, right? Well, yeah. And they were like, we're not going to write, but you know, now they're telling like us writers, they're like, okay, if you're in SAG, you could still act. But if you ad lib or change anything, then that is writing. Like you've changed the story, you've changed the writing. And then everyone's like, well, uh, <laughs> wasn't that what like Conan and Jay Leno were doing last time? And they're like, yeah, we're shutting that down. Like this time, like it was like an ambiguity, but now we're being very clear that that is writing and they've decided to stick with that. So they're going dark as well. 
Um, I mean, like, you what know, happens it, to SNL this week with Pete Davidson? It's the season finale this Saturday. Oh my God, Ryan! I think it might not happen. Uh, no, no, <laughs> Pete Davidson, sketch comedy extraordinaire, cannot. Not he's not going to be able to improv his way. Mad at Pete Davidson? What am I going to do? <laughs> no, it's just one of those do? curious things. It, by the way, this would be actually a very powerful statement, though, if Saturday Night Live goes dark, because I think the majority of people don't understand what the Writers Guild is and what they're striking for, and that there is a strike in place. And I think things like that need to happen to great, like just broader awareness yeah so we're going to go out there on the picket lines uh there's some other unions that may or may not be supporting us supposedly the teamsters won't cross a picket line they're pledge their support so if they don't go then you'll have production shutting down in places because no one can turn on the lights and stuff on shoots um and so i mean reality could still be made you know which is what they you know talk about in previous strikes you know the the that strike in 1988 kind of invented reality during that yeah. strike that's when uh cops and uh, america's most wanted came out of and then um you know they bump it up but people want i think both you know they want the reality and the other stuff and they said that like the way that streamers work now that there's no like pilot season it's just like always kind of going and stuff so it actually could shut things down a little bit quicker if things aren't aren't made so our goal is to shut off the whole pipeline to stop writing, you know, to show the importance of writing at every step of the way, editing on set, et cetera, so that writers are guaranteed to be there in the process for the rest of time, you know, because they're being cut out right now. Uh, and then, um, you know, to get this over as fast as possible, like, you know, we'd love them to come to us with offers that aren't like <laughs> bend over and grab your ankles. That's usually my best offers. Anyways, do I, I can I have? Do you have five more minutes, Nick? Do you have? Yeah, I know I've already course. gone over. Do you have five yeah, more minutes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you've told me and uh, about the process just in conversations. I just want to go back to a point you made that how writing works, and especially on a show like yours, is that there are so many times where the writer continually will throw jokes, change actually the course of the show as the show is. You know, like could you walk us through really quick how American Dad is made and how many steps along the way you actively are involved as a writer? Because it's not just in the room. Yeah, it's there's throughout like, the course. Yeah, it takes a year for it from when you write the writer's draft, you know, and we work in a group of about five or six in a room. We come up with the episode as a crew and we kind of write out the beats and everything. We pitch it to our boss. He gives us changes. And then one of us goes out and writes an outline that say it's my episode. I have three days to write an outline. I bring that back in. Our bosses give us notes. Then I go out for 10 days and I write a script that gets tabled. We have a table read. After that, we rewrite it based off the table read. Then it goes away for a couple months while the artist, um, they record all the lines and the artists draw to it. And then we get a black and white version called an animatic. We scream that, we see how it goes. And then we rewrite it as a group. And then it goes back out. It gets sent uh, to be colored. It fills in and color. That takes like seven months. So then we have a color screening. This is like nine months after it's been written. We all watch that. We have a rewrite in the group in our in our room. And then um, it goes out and then we have a lock that we sit in and we tighten everything and cut the last of lines. So it's 20 seconds over, figure out what we want. And then that is ready to hit the air. And each of those days we have a screening. One room does a rewrite and another room is a joke room where we find like three or four jokes that didn't work. And you spend the day given like 12 options on each of those as a room. Um, so that's, you know, 
six, seven, eight, nine people right there working, you know, on an episode. And then the, the rest of the crew is still working on future episodes for the table read the next week on this season. Cause we're working kind of like a season ahead and in the current season. The same uh, does that working a season ahead though, kind of in a way, uh, is that what the AMT or, you know, the people that you're, uh, negotiating against, are they like, well, we're good for the next year in terms of animation because you guys have worked. So yeah, we, yeah, we set them up pretty nicely. So like animated shows, you won't notice, like, you know, I have two coming up this season and they're going to air in like September and December. So, you know, oh, wow. you won't be a, a stop of that Christmas episode. Check it out guys. Yeah. Well, Yes. And just so you guys know, these are like the, the top minds in this kind of like they're some of the funniest people. So it's not like just going into a room and going, oh, yeah, I guess that's kind of funny. Like you guys beat yeah. these jokes out within an inch of their life. And like you aren't satisfied for just just like status quo. I mean, really, like you guys will obsess about these things. It is a real job, a very intense Yeah, When I worked job. in live action, you know, you would have like j- jokes set up ahead of time if the jokes didn't work you'd have three or four and then you'd be on set and then you're like huddled in a corner and if something doesn't hit you're like like coming up with lines so that when they call cut they're like yeah we want to change this one you know you have another go at it you know it's it's all yeah throughout the whole time you know the, the writing's going and that's that's the same on film too on sets you know like man that'd be a dream like you sell a movie script and then you get to go somewhere and sit on set and like make changes you know it's yeah um finally just uh to to close it out here is some of the specifics that you guys are asking for you kind of mentioned a little bit brief briefly but what are some of those things so people actually know what uh what you're trying to get because it's not actually being greedy like you said it's only one percent to two percent of uh actually the profits that these big corporations are making yeah, we're trying to get, you know, um, minimums up across the board and we're trying to get them to guarantee writers uh, a minimum number of writers on shows. And, you know, we're trying to get minimum of, of weeks that the writers are guaranteed to work. And, you know, uh, there, then there's a couple stepped out things, you know, if, it, if the show's on for 15 episodes, you need, you know, eight writers to be there for the you know process and three at least through all of editing and one to the end, you know. And those are things that they're just like, no, we don't want any rules on that. You know, they'd like to get it. They, they, they're hoping to get it down to as few writers as possible. And um, those, I mean, those those are the main things. You know, I, I, I you- think they said that basically everything that the writers are asking for that one to two percent of profits that we're talking about is like four hundred and twenty million dollars and that they've offered 89 million. So there's like a pretty big gulf there. And I think- And this isn't just like 89 million for 20 people. This is, you know, there's thousands yeah, for, and thousands yeah, of Yeah, 7,000 working people. And, uh, you know, um, a, a, lot of, a lot of its residuals that we want. And that's the other thing. We want to be paid residuals uh, like we did on broadcast, but they're saying that streaming doesn't count and they don't have to pay residuals, even though that's where everyone's- watching it so residuals and international i mean the whole world's watching it more people are watching it than ever they're making more money than ever and we're getting paid less so that's finally you know, are you are you allowed to tell us what your uh captains have told you into or your what the people negotiating for you have told you to expect in terms of length is there a chance that this could be over by the weekend and will you, you be waiting every day they didn't the, the way the negotiations go they didn't want anything out we didn't know anything i'm a strike captain i go to the, like the strike captain meetings and until like I left the meeting on Saturday, not knowing if it was going to be a strike or not. Like I was felt better because I was like, Oh, they're, they're all tired and they've been hustling. You can tell they've been up all night and they had to leave. They're like, we have to leave at 11 AM to go back to the table. Uh, 
And so I was hopeful, but I had no clue what was going to happen until midnight. Uh, we're striking today. We have a huge meeting on Wednesday night at the Shrine Auditorium for all members. It's, I don't know. Man, that's going to be crazy. And they're, they're going to tell talk, and that's where we're going to talk about demands and stuff. And when these things happen, you don't know. You just don't know these companies. Like, does Apple care? Are they like, we sell phones. We'll wait three years. You know, we're not giving you a dime. Or is it like, are these companies going to undercut each other? You know, like, oh, we can, now we can push universal out, you know, we'll pay you guys more and they can't afford it, you know? So there's, there's a lot of like underground gossip and stuff like that, that goes crazy at this time. But I think it's a thing that if they see what's happening and the world unites behind us and these other guilds unite behind us and everyone says like, this is the crap that's wrong with this country right now. These corporations are taking this money and they see the writing on the wall and that there's the support. It could hopefully go shorter. And that's what we're hoping. But um, you know, they've just been non-existent on trying to have a future that includes a robust writing community and creative community uh, in favor of a corporate culture, a profit. So I hope it's not that, long and terrible. Yeah. And that AI thing, just to keep that really, really scares me for so many reasons. How do we support you? Uh, how, like, you know, you're saying if everybody gets behind you, how do we get behind you? Do we write Bob Iger? Like who? <laughs> I mean, that stuff like, does help. And yeah, you showing your support and just like, you know, like you having me on and being able to explain this. Cause like you said, like you go to a New York times article and the comments are like, who cares? They should quit writing. You know, like the writing stinks. I saw you know, I only want Yellowstone, like everything else is crap. So you only need those writers. You know, you're like, thanks, pal. Yeah, I hope your job doesn't, you know, fire everyone too. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, you know, just the public sentiment, the stuff on social media has been great. Um, you know, um, all, all that, you know, and as, as this goes on, you know, like SAG has offered their support. They said that we're going to wait and then they're going to come out at one point and it's going to get bigger and bigger. Well, Nick, uh, I've, I've not worked for the last three years in film and television just to support you and yeah, the writer's guild. striking. That means I've a lot. I've been for striking us. for so long for you guys now. Yeah, so I'm yeah, hoping yeah, yeah, yeah. the drought ends. No, but seriously, you guys, uh, when this comes out, I'm going to make an Instagram post. If you'll share it, uh, that I'll be tagging the WGA and all the appropriate people to be tagging. If you would share that, that would be great. The more we can shed light on this topic, because oh, this truly is, is, and my show doesn't exist without writers. Uh, the things that I truly love in life, uh, barring my family and friends, will not exist without writers. So we need to make sure the health, the overall health of that is very secure or I'm not going to have a purpose in this world. So uh, Nick, is there anything else I'm leaving out of this that you would like to share? Uh, I mean, like I can go just like totally over the edge here and add on yeah. to that and say that, you know, for me, television and film was a thing when I was a kid that made me connect to people and different stories that maybe weren't right around me or made, you know, like made me feel okay about myself and different things. And um, I think that, you know, music, television, film, these are like the arts that connect all of us. And so um, that's why I'm fighting. And that's why I'm here was to be a part of this. So to be pushed out by some of these companies um, sucks, but uh, you know, uh, that, that love that you feel in movies and television and stuff, um, will always be there. Um, and we're one of the strongest unions and only unions in the country that exists anymore. Cause that's what they're trying to break. So I think that we are going to fight to the bitter end for this, um, because of our love of these things that brought us here. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, uh, you could not have said that better. Uh, Nick waiting for lefty Wagner. Thank you so much for, for being here. And also just really quick, uh, if she is listening, a very happy birthday to Jessica Wagner, Nick's sister. sister, uh, juice, uh, who we both love dearly. Um, nice and, second. uh, we strike for you that? today. Yeah, we do. Nice we second. strike in the name of Jessica Wagner, but Nick, thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, thank it. you for having me, man. Long time fan of the show. I feel like this episode, <laughs> I'm just really going to bring down uh, back <laughs> in a fun comedic capacity. I can't believe I'm on the same episode as Captain Glenn. I'm a huge fan. Or am I? Did I lie? Okay. Okay. You, no, you are. You, I mean, listen, no, I mean, to bunk with him would just be an honor of a lifetime, you know. And uh, listen, I mentioned when you texted last week about Carl and Lindsay on the show. You know, Nick will act like he sometimes, but Nick actually does. Wa- and and his wife watches a lot of these shows as well, and I think has yeah. given him a deeper appreciation. So uh, we're very very excited to have him. And yeah, by I was way, a PA this- at Criminal Minds. Carl was a PA as well. Wait, that's was Carl a PA really at Criminal Minds? I didn't. Yeah, that's how I met him. Yeah. Oh, for some he reason I thought it was the production side, and I worked on the writer side. Carl Radke, you guys, who we talk. Okay, anyways, uh, and also, if this goes, this goes very long. We'll have to have you come on and recap Vanderpump Rules episodes, which I know is your dream, your true dream. I'm unemployed, baby. I'm unemployed. Let's do this, man. Use me. Oh, I can't write anything though. So uh, okay, yeah, never mind. One of the companies. I think this is okay. (laughs) Okay, bye, dude. Now is my favorite part of the show when I get to talk about our sponsors. And this week, so bad it's good, we have a new sponsor, and I am so ridiculously happy about this sponsor. I've actually talked about this sponsor before on this show. It is Ship Station. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it should, because Shannon Bedore uh, uses Ship Station. Wolfgang Puck uses ShipStation, Ryan Bailey uses ShipStation, and hopefully after today, you will use ShipStation as well. So I'm going to explain what ShipStation is, but I have a feeling if you listen to this show, you already know what it is because of Miss Shannon Bedore. Now listen, our economy has been a challenge, right? Everybody is feeling it. No one knows what the future holds. Each month there is a new surprise. So To keep your business thriving, and I am speaking to you, small business owners, you need to find ways to save money without cutting corners. And when it comes to having a small business, every little bit helps when it comes to saving money. Now, ShipStation gives you access to discounts of up to, get this, 84% off USPS and UPS rates. And you can manage every order from one simple-to-use dashboard. So when you lower your shipping costs and make returns easy, your customers stay happy while you save money. Now, listen, I had uh, Hello Harlot on last Monday, on last Monday's episode. She talked about the Homeless Not Toothless event. And she, by the way, she just put out the Scandaval coloring book. We were just talking about it last week's episode. But she is a small business. This is perfect for her. If you run an Etsy store, you have a Shopify account, all of these things, ShipStation is perfect for. This is perfect for my Patreon We send out holiday cards. We send out merchandise. ShipStation is something that is perfect for us, and it can be perfect for you, too. I know a lot of my listeners out there do have actual small businesses, so I personally endorse this. 
it is so easy to set up your ShipStation account. Um, you can even go to the dashboard and you can manage every one of your orders. It, it's so ridiculously simple. All you do is sign up for an account. And by the way, not to bury the lead, but today you will get a 60-day free trial through so bad it's good. But you set up an account and it's really simple. You go there, there's a, a couple of different things on the dashboard. You got your insights, your orders, your shipments, your products, your customers, your scan, and you can click on each one of these and it can take you through all of your orders, what is shipped, what has been canceled, order alerts. It is so easy to use, but it is perfect for small businesses and saving up to 84% that is insane. So during the holiday time last year, we sent out all of these holiday cards and we had to pay full price for all of our postage. Now, you don't, we don't have to do that anymore. I mean, there was like, you're talking about like 600 people or something like that. This is a big savings. So get up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates. And if that's not enough, like I said, use my promo code to try ShipStation free for two months. There's over 130,000 companies that have grown their e-commerce business with ShipStation. And 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. My gosh, you, you, Shannon Vidor is a customer. That's all you need to know. Ryan Bailey. I mean, that's that's a close second. All your shipping handled is in a single dashboard, like I just said. It effortlessly integrates everywhere you sell online. So if you sell on Amazon, Etsy, eBay, Shopify, anywhere, it integrates directly into your ShipStation account. You can manage each order from one simple dashboard. You can automate routine shipping tasks. You can print shipping labels, easily compare rates and delivery times to optimize every shipment and automate delivery notifications. I mean, this is a small business owner's geek dream. And with enterprise solutions that make warehouse optimization easy, ShipStation scales when you do. So worry less about the bottom line when you save money with ShipStation. Go to ShipStation.com and use code SOBAD. I know, guys, I know this is so great, so good, but we're going to use the product code SOBAD because that's the first two words of my title. So use that today. Sign up for your free 60-day trial. That is ShipStation.com. So bad. By the way, wouldn't it be great if anybody, somebody listening to this, this is like they don't have a small business, but they're like, you convinced me with that ad to start a small business because I need to save 84% off. So once again, ShipStation.com, code so bad. That's also going to be on the description on the show notes. So get a 60-day free trial, www.shipstation.com forward slash so bad. And thank you to ShipStation for sponsoring the show. I geek out about this for real. And I, I'll tell you just personally, you know it's a good company when they want to do an onboarding call with you where they walk you through the product and ask if you have any questions. And they seem excited about it too. And that really gets me excited because I just, I really love people that are passionate about their products. And ShipStation has a lot to be passionate about because it's an amazing product. But once again, don't take my word for it. Take Miss Shannon Bedore's word for it. Anyways, all the information is in there. 60 day free trial. Try it today. Okay, welcome to So Bad It's Good. We need to cover so many of these trailers out for new seasons of shows. We just did Real Housewives of Orange County this week, but we also had the return of 
the Kardashians. We had the trailer, the second trailer for Hulu's The Kardashians season three. Now, the first teaser was about a month ago and it was less than a minute. And I got to tell you, it looked like it stunk like a bunch of big dog doo doo. It was not good at all. I was kind of disappointed because I was like, wow, they've taken such a long period of break of time in between season two and season three. And this is what you come at us with. Uh, so I was very confused. And then on top of that trailer, a couple weeks later, they had the solo, the Courtney Kardashian, Travis Barker wedding. That was a separate whole entity documentary, which was like an hour and 15 minutes. And I didn't really respond. I didn't really dig that. Uh, I know some people did. I'm happy for you guys. I thought they were going to intersperse scenes of their wedding with other family members doing their thing. But of course, so much time has passed that I think they kind of, you know, that ship had sailed and they needed to release that as a solo entity. And by the way, that's so weird. It's kind of like came and went a couple of weeks ago. Like I don't hear anybody talking about it anymore except for, for me now. So that trailer didn't really do a lot for me. And so much has happened for the Kardashians in that year. I guess the struggle as the Kardashians get bigger and bigger and bigger is how do you how do you put any of your reality in this when your reality is so insane and sometimes not in a good way? We ended season two with Kim, you know, being able to represent Balenciaga, which was like her dream. And literally that week, Balenciaga went down for like weird child stuff, which we all know about. And so it was like, damn, that is dark. And then, of course, we have all the Kanye West stuff that has happened to Kim. Uh, you had that Pete Davidson relationship, which broke up. There were so many things that I was so curious how they're going to cover it in this show. And then I saw that minute long tease and it didn't look like it was about anything. And I was like, oh, well, this potentially is going to be horrible. This is going to be a horrible season. Now, this week, this new trailer came out and I thought there was a lot of good stuff in it. Now, I'm going to cover uh, this season on So Bad It's Good. So, of course, we have to talk about the trailer. The season three premiere is May 25th. That's when the first episode will come out on Hulu. Uh, the last two seasons have been around 10 episodes, so I'm guessing that will be the same. So let us keep up with these Kardashians and go through beat by beat this trailer and see what we have to look forward to. I don't think they've added any new Kardashians. Nobody's been recast. They haven't fired Courtney completely, even though there is a further breakdown in the Courtney Kim relationship, which is actually thrilling to see. And we get the return of Scott Disick. Oh, what's up, man? I'm Scott. I love doing this. I don't get to do it a lot. <laughs> so let's go through the trailer and <laughs> see what we got here. Wow, the Scott voice really hurts my voice. You were still in a relationship. I was. Yeah. Ooh. Damn. So we get this talking head where the producer, and to the credit, keeping up with the Kardashians, to the Kardashians on Hulu, it's such a giant leap and improvement just in the way they film it. They really lean into the talking heads like they do on Bravo, even more so in a very classy, you know, that's always shot beautifully. And just the editing is so much more crisp and clean. So we start off this of you were in a relationship last season. And that was Pete Davidson. And if you remember Kim talking about Pete, I mean, it was like the second coming, you know, the grandma said, you're finally getting good sex. She, I mean, they were talking marriage. They were talking kids. They were talking skincare, everything that you do in a very serious relationship. So Kim's like, Oh, I did. And then she goes, damn the thing with Kim. That's kind of a funny moment. The thing with Kim though, is that she's kind of a weird magician in that you never 
I really question whether even that moment is real or not, or if it's all if not staged, but like there's a, there's a fakery about all of them anyways, to a little bit of a degree. So I always wonder if she's like, Oh, it'd be funny if I said, damn, I'm sure it's real. I'm sure it's real, but one would sometimes wonder. Things change really quickly. You okay? No. Aww. Not okay. <laughs> Finally, we get something to add in the pantheon of Kim Kardashian crying memes. It's a great cry. She has the hands up, the I'm not okay. I mean, right then and there, I'm like, I'm getting my money's worth. Like I'm fine. The $8 I pay for Hulu right there to have access to your emotions that quickly. Great. She's also in the blonde hair, which I don't like blonde Kim. That looks, it's very, it always looks like a Halloween costume to me, but right there, you can only imagine, is she crying about Pete? Is she crying about Kanye? Is she crying about everything? Which this woman, I mean, she's very willingly a participant is going through so much. I mean, and she has come from humble beginnings and is now a billionaire almost two times over. And it's got to be stressful raising the kids. Uh, I don't I think she's still trying to be a lawyer, but that's a little bit on the back burner. And Chloe is like, are you OK? They're always like, remember when the Kardashians started and they had houses or like that condo that everybody's like, oh, I've been in a condo like that. And now they live in these like scary mansions that are all cold and uninviting. And you're like, shit, if I get rich, I have to live in that scary place. No thanks. They were out of those chocolate dibs that she loves at the 7-Eleven. It just set the it sets the day off wrong. I'm really good at being calm when there's turbulence. Okay, so that's Chris saying, I'm really calm when there's turbulence. I'm really, and I bet, you know, you you really have to imagine Chris Jenner. She created this empire so many times over. And that's really, I do wonder what really motivates her and how she's able to do this. And I think she's right, like staying calm under the pressure. But she goes on to tell us. Things change really quickly. Oh, sorry. I went back. Okay. I went back. Aww. Not okay. Ah! I'm really good at being calm when there's turbulence, but this has been a whirlwind of a year. Okay. Do you realize how they shoot her like Lisa Vanderpump? They've literally, they're literally shooting through cheesecloth. It is so, it is so lit and so soft focus. Like Chris Jenner is a beautiful woman, but they've really like the way they shoot her. It is just, uh, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Right. It's wild. But I do wonder about that. They have been through everything imaginable. How do you not break at a certain point? Like we can say whatever we want about the Kardashians, but how do you not break? Like I can barely keep up with the pressures of my life. How do you not break? I mean, that would, and to me, this already gets me excited for the season. Cause if you're actually going, we're not probably going to get the truth, but if you're going to actually tell me the truth about how you stay sane and people on the verge of breaking down because they are literally at the top of their game. I mean, that's, I'm down for that. Today, your divorce was final. Yeah. I don't know how Kim handles everything with her ex-husband. I don't think you realize the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Okay, calm down. Like, you know, there's a lot of pressure, but it's, you know, she can also, 
she could also stop if she, I mean, I hate to point that out. She could stop. Like I always, that fallacy of like, oh, once you make enough money, you would think you would stop. But these people don't know stop. But also what fascinated me here is that we're going to talk, we're finally going to talk about the husband. We're going to talk about the husband. I mean, this, that's another reason why I think they maybe potentially took so much time away before doing the new season because Kanye was going through and probably potentially is such dark stuff in terms of what the hate he was spewing uh, about many different, uh, just a lot of hate out there. How do you make that part of the show when, you know, her actual kids are on the show? How do, but how do you also tell the audience that I am aware of what my ex-husband is doing? And it's really weird. We saw that relationship flourish and we saw it on keeping up with the Kardashians, Kim and Kanye. And to see where it is ending, it is really, I'm down to see that peek behind the curtain, but here you see Kris Jenner, just all concerned face Botox within the inch of her life. I mean, this seems just intense. Made up the most insane narrative. We stay silent through all the lies. Okay. So she said he's, you know, He's making up insane narratives. And that is, you know, from what we saw as well, Kanye was really on one where he was extremely paranoid. He was extremely, he was, he was really saying some wild, wild things. I even remember, I even tuned into that Tucker Carlson interview. It was like a three part interview and it was wild. Like every 10 minutes, Kanye would say something sort of brilliant and then completely you know, just go south. But Kim's MO has always been, we stay silent in all of this stuff. And she always makes a point of staying silent around her kids. And she said in a podcast interview this past year is that she really is able to control what the kids consume and who they're around. So it won't get out to the kids. But how is that really possible? I mean, money buys a lot of things, but at a certain point, a kid is curious. A kid's going to find a way. And how are you going to do that with like, you know, I mean, just like God, the thought of North going to some school and sneaking off into the bathroom with her friend's phone just to look up her parents. It's going to happen one day. How do you control that? These are the things that I'm like, there is such a fascinating docu-series slash reality show. Like if the Kardashians really put their real life up on display without any of the bullshit, they would win Emmys every season. And they have the ability to really just knock us off our coal mining asses, you know? So we see North here. I'm always afraid North's going to bully me one day. Uh, she's with her mom, you know. For my kids. Mom just told me that it was melanoma. This on her face is very concerning. I don't think I've seen you this low. She doesn't sleep. She's Okay, so this, we finally get to the Coco, the Khloe Kardashian storyline, and the rumors were true. She did have melanoma. She did have to get it removed, and they literally, I mean, think, imagine the doctor have to sewn Khloe up and realizing, like, one false move, and then, you know, Khloe's going to have to facetune even harder, you know? like that's, but, but we see it. She really went through, on top of the Tristan Thompson, she's a new mom to this her second child with Tristan, and uh, I hate to break it to everybody, you know, Tristan is a part of this season. Tristan Trashcan Thompson back for another round. This guy lo- this guy doesn't get off on sleeping with people on the road and cheating. He literally gets off on still asking Chloe to be in her life and potentially winning her back because he's pathological. It's insane. So we see here uh, her burping her new baby boy and we see the melanoma. Kendall's saying she's not sleeping. She's losing more weight. 
There's always been the Ozempic stuff with the Kardashians, but also I'm sure the amount of stress she was under with the Tristan. That's why, how could you ever forgive Tristan Thompson when she made her look like a clown two times over, made everything doubly hard for somebody that their life is already kind of stressed to the max because they're in the public eye so much. I, I think it's unforgivable, unforg- yet they keep forgiving this dude. Lost a lot of weight. Melanoma's deadly. This was way more serious than I anticipated it to be. Have you talked to Cora about Milan? My sister. Okay, so this is Kim and Dolce Gabbana. Now, remember, Dolce and Gabbana did Courtney's dresses for her wedding with Travis Barker. So this is the Courtney Kim fight of this season. Is that Courtney thinks that Kim used her wedding to Travis Big Dong Barker <laughs> to try to get in there a little bit more with Dolce and Gabbana. So this is the big fight here. Used my wedding as a business opportunity. She's mad at me. Livid. She felt like her wedding vibes were like stripped from her. I'm really confused. Her wedding vibes were stripped. <laughs> you know, I think the Kardashians should have a swear jar, but it should be your for the word vibes. And every time they say vibes, they need to put a million dollars into the swear jar. I just... I, the, her wedding vibes were just, just say her wedding, just her wedding vibes were off. Like, so Kendall saying like Chloe saying that Courtney's livid, Kendall and Kylie are talking about it. Kim's laying here in her weird mansion with the weird stone pick. Like her mansion is so uncomfortable that she's literally laying on the floor on a pillow. My God. Is how this narrative came into her head. Like I couldn't have been more mindful. I said, don't do anything that Courtney wore to her wedding. I see both sides. Yeah, I see both sides. I couldn't have been more mindful at Courtney's wedding. I couldn't have been more. By the way, that saying Kim goes, I could have destroyed that wedding if I wanted to without even trying. But I tried to make sure the vibes were good. And I love Kendall and Kylie going, I see both sides. I see. I really do. I see both sides. I see both sides. But by the way, Courtney is, of course, going to be so protective of this because her relationship with Travis Barker is the first thing that actually helped her get out of the Kardashian bubble that she was such a part of. She was able to actually find her own thing, which is Travis Barker's huge dong. <laughs> People think that's a misunderstanding. It's not. It's who she is to her core. Woo! When Courtney says... It's who Kim is at her core. Like literally saying, people think it's some misunderstanding and Courtney saying, no, this is who Kim Kardashian is. She is a terminator. She is a machine that all she cares about is money, fame, and power. Like literally one day, I think Kim's going to put a, I think Kim's going to like literally like retire Chris. She's going to one day just go, Chris, you're done. It's me now. Kimothy Kardashian. Like it is wild. Like Kim, and by the way, two things can be true at once. Kim might not have been trying to ruin the vibe, but it's so innately ingrained in Kim to like try to be number one that she might have done it without even knowing it. But also when you know Kourtney Kardashian already had, like a couple seasons ago when Keeping Up with the Kardashians was still on, remember they got in that physical altercation in that bedroom and started hitting each other? Like Kim was like, oh shit, dude, you just... You almost like knocked a million dollars off of my face. That's not cool. But this is what Courtney really thinks of her sister. And I can see elements of that being true. And I also think Kim, like I said, wouldn't consciously totally not want to agree with that, but even realize it. So Chloe here says, 
They're back. Tell them your plans. All of us just need to have a bigger conversation about the beauty standards that we're setting. Oh, Kylie! All of us have to have a bigger conversation about the beauty standards we're setting. Girl, why don't you go first? I'll pull up a chair. I listen. It's like she's been hearing us finally. Finally, somebody said, hey, we're all they're all talking about the dangerous beauty standards. You Kardashian. Listen, if you have money, by all do whatever you want with the money. Just be honest with what you're doing about like you all look great, but don't like there's young women, young dudes out there. All of these people trying to compete with these people, not realizing hundreds of thousands of dollars have been put into their bodies and their faces. It isn't just natural. We're almost getting to a point in this country where natural beauty isn't even appreciated because we're so used to looking at like fixed up beauty, a beauty that's been created on a table or in a chair instead of like natural beauty. But like, damn, I'm so proud of Chloe, of Kylie. Sorry, of Kylie even saying this. Who knows if she was forced to, but I'm so proud. Also, I want to let you know, there is a quick shot of Kim in a shirt that I, fe- it's a shirt that says Kindle starting five, Kindle Jenner. And it's all the basketball, basketball players Kindle stated. Kim Kardashian is literally trolling her own sister in that shirt. I love it. But I'm also totally down for that conversation to happen. I don't want my daughter to do the things I did. I wish I'd never touched anything to begin with. By the way, she says, I hope my daughter, little Stormy, never has to do the things that I did. And I'm assuming that means dating Tyga. That must, <laughs> that is obviously like, I just hope, I hope my daughter never has to date Tyga. We all do. So by the way, this is, Kylie's obviously still talking about the beauty centers. I don't want my daughter to be forced to, get uh, full body reconstruction on some level, you know? How's everything going with Tristan? Where do you guys stand? I think he... Where do you guys stand, Tristan, coming in? like He's always got a smile. He should come in, like, groveling. He should come in crying every scene, like, smiling all smooth still. And then we got Scott. We got Mr. Scott. Hey, where are you guys? Hey, what's going on? I'm Scott. Ah, uh, you guys missed me last season. Ah, uh, I'm just wearing jewelry. Got my black shirt. I'm in these. We're at a Mexican restaurant. Where do you guys stand, Clojo? Hey, Chloe, what are you guys doing? I'm Scott. Thanks, and let's just ride this out. But no, no chances. We know. Okay, so she said there, you might have missed that. Uh, she said, oh, he thinks, uh, you know, he thinks if, you know, he stays here, we, we can just ride this out. And she goes, I don't think so. But sadly, I do. I have heard from multiple sources they are back together. So, dude, you know, and if they really didn't want them to get back together, you know, Chris shouldn't be encouraging him to be there all the time. Listen, this guy has no problem not seeing his other kid. Don't use the excuse of, well, he's got to see the kids. He doesn't see his other kid. What are you talking about? This actually, this scene, they're all, this must be a Chris Jenner birthday thing because they're all in iconic looks from Chris Jenner's past. You've got Chris Jenner in the, uh, the music video, uh, Courtney is dressed as you've got, uh, Oh, Coco in the Chris Jenner, uh, look uh, from all the memes of her sitting cross-legged. These are all great Chris Jenner looks. So obviously this is for a birthday. I'm guessing how to have fun together, know how to be there for each other. Yeah but only at a superficial level. What? This tension goes way back. Family is what I value the most. So I just feel very anxious. I just don't think everything's gonna be okay.
take that Marvel, try to try to do that kind of drama. It would have been amazing at the end of Kim, like loaded a gun. <laughs> we get, we get a throwback to that Chris Jenner of like, call the FBI. No, that looks so like, it looked like Courtney and Kim were sitting on opposite sides of the bed potentially. And so obviously there will be some sort of showdown, which I'm, you know, I can't imagine that, but I'm, I'm really happy to see Scott Disick back. I can't wait to see what he's got going. You know what we didn't see in this? And I'm curious, we didn't see any Travis Barker appearance. So I'm curious if Courtney has pulled back even more from filming in terms of I'm not going to give you guys Travis to film because I want to keep that life private. I could be completely wrong. I probably am. I just found it interesting that we didn't see him, but we see Trashcan Thompson. We see Scott Disick. We allude to Kanye. Um, oh, oh, you know who we also didn't see? Corey Gamble. Chris Jenner. What's going on? I'm Corey. I like to be smooth. We didn't see Corey in this. So who knows? But May 25th, the Kardashians are back. I really like this trailer overall, though. I mean, watch that first teaser trailer. Not good. But this, I thought there was a lot of room that we could potentially be good in a decent season. What do you guys think? Let me know in the comments and stay tuned to So Bad It's Good. We're going to be covering the Kardashians this, uh, this season, okay? Bye! Betches.